Hey, what's up? This is Tim from the band Rise Against, and you're listening to Sound Session. Like the angel, you are, you What's going on, everybody? This is Michael from Sound Sessions here on WGN Radio in Chicago. We are your voice of Chicago music. Today, I have the opportunity to speak with someone that I have probably spun in my car for the last 10 to 15 years. Tim McLarath from the band Rise Against are now hitting the road in support of their 2018 acoustic album, The Ghost Note Symphonies Volume 1. And we have Tim on the phone today to join us here on Sound Sessions. What's going on, Tim? Too much, man. How are you doing? I'm great. So you are coming through, hitting the road again in support of your 2018 acoustic album, and you're playing the Chicago Theater. Holy smokes, man. How awesome is that? It's Yeah, it's incredible. It's definitely a place. Growing up playing in punk and hardcore bands in Chicago, I never... I never thought Rise Against would be welcome inside the Chicago theater. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm, I've seen you perform at the Metro, uh, places like the Double Door, other great Chicago venues, and now you're at like the Pinnacle. This is where you get your name on that iconic sign and everything. So it must be a really good feeling coming from such you know a humble punk beginning and now getting to play with Chicago's like main stage theater. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And to be honest, like the pinnacles for us was like was Metro. It was mm-hmm. the Fireside Bowl. You know, it was coming to places like even out at like Northerly Island. You know, and playing the Pavilion out there. And this was you know Chicago theater. And growing up here in Chicago, it, the the theater is meant for more refined events, right? There's a guy dressed up selling you popcorn and wine mm-hmm. at an intermission at the Chicago Theater. And so it was something that like it it's outside of the bounds of like the punk and hardcore world that we grew up in, but it's exciting this many years later to sort of like take a look at who we are as a band, uh, take a look at our music and find a way to implement it in this kind of reimagined way where it turns into a place like the Chicago theater becomes like the setting for something like that. And so to me, it's just uh, symbolic of how different all of this is for us. You know, the music, is different the way we are playing the songs is different and so why not also have the venue be also this huge drastically different place than what we're used to which is stage diving and circle pits and screaming and sweating and and that kind of thing i was gonna say do they allow moshing in the chicago theater I think we're going to find out. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's d- kind of dive into that. So you put out the acoustic album, and, it, and it's amazing to hear songs that everyone loves, you know, Savior, The Violence, um, and House on Fire. And then hearing these with an or- orchestral background, hearing violins in some of your favorite songs, where did this idea come about? What was the inspiration? Were you just Are you just on a more mellow uh, kind of meditation chamber at, at the moment, or what's the atmosphere <laughs> in your life you're living? Uh, probably a little bit of all those things, but, um, you know, a lot of the idea came from our own fans. Um, Rise Against has always been a band that has dabbled with acoustic songs, quieter songs, ever since you know, we recorded Swing Life Away during the uh, unraveling sessions for our first record, you know. So it's something that we've never shied away from. Uh, it's one of the things that made Rise Against such a fun band to play in um, early on is that we weren't um, afraid to have one song, you know, be uh, more poppy, one song be more hardcore, one song be singing, one song be screaming. It just became this sort of just full buffet of whatever we were into and whatever we wanted to play. We started doing that um, early on, and so that way we never backed ourselves into a corner. 
Um, and having a few acoustic songs meant we always have a part of our set where I'd usually go out there and play some of them. And that's when fans came to us and said, what if you did a whole show of that? Um, and I think we kind of kept that in the back of our heads for a long time, but never really took it that seriously. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was only last year where we were trying to figure out what our next step is. And we had some extra time in the schedule um, and the studio was available. And so we said, let's go in there and maybe do like a bonus track uh, from Wolves as an acoustic song and see how it goes. And the plan was to do some bonus tracks, a few songs. Next thing you know, it sort of snowballed into 10 songs. And we went back to the label and said, I know we were supposed to do three, but we did 10. And they were like, well, that's way more than bonus tracks. That's more like a record. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so that turned into the Ghost Note Symphonies um, uh, volume one. So I, I, I really like that. Uh, it's the Ghost Note Symphonies volume one. Great album. I've been listening to it all week. Will there be a volume two? I mean, is is that why you called it volume one for room to grow? Yeah, it was like, uh, there's no plan to make a volume two, but part of that thinking was as we were sort of biting off this chunk and like and, and doing these songs, it occurred to us halfway into it that we were only kind of chipping away at the tip of the iceberg. You know, it occurred to us as we were having fun making these songs acoustic and changing the keys and changing the tempo or just messing with them completely and doing it with a ukulele or a piano or with strings. It occurred to us that like we were doing that to 10 songs, but we were a band that has like a hundred or 150 songs that there are that we started talking like, Oh, what if we did this to this song? What if we did this to this song? And that's when we realized that there was far more work to do. Um, if we ever chose to, um, go back down this road and so that's so we left it pretty open-ended oh that is it's so radical to hear again like my favorite songs one of my favorites even from growing up and listening to you guys was audience of one and to hear that with some strings behind it was just it was amazing oh, um, yeah that's one of my faves and that's what leads me into my next question. So with these this plethora of songs that you have now underneath your belt that for being in a band for so long, what do the set look, lists look like when you're performing in front of uh, you know the crowds that you're that are, are are experiencing this for the first time? Are you guys mixing it up every single night? Are you adding some new songs? Are there any covers or anything that you're gonna surprise us with? So actually, Chicago on Sunday will be the first time for all of us. <laughs> yes. We haven't done this. We haven't done this yet. Um, we've been uh, planning it, but we, we wanted to kick it off in Chicago. And we're only doing Chicago, Denver, and L.A., which are the cities where like, our fan base is probably most rabid. And so Chicago gets kind of the first crack at this thing. And um, I guess what I can tell you is that, you know, you, you're definitely going to hear the ghost notes, but we definitely threw in some surprises and covers and old songs. Uh, we we had fun with it, and we're having fun with it. And um, we're going to we're gonna try to uh, throw a few curveballs and, and play something that will, will keep people uh, pretty interested. <laughs> I can't wait, and either can your audiences here in Chicago, Los Angeles, and Denver. Man, now I want to go and jet out to all those other cities, too, because I'm sure it's going to be amazing. Um, one insight I did see... You're going to be playing with the original Misfits on tour. I mean, that would be a great cover song. Uh, some of their old old tracks to to be playing with. Now, don't don't tell me you're going to be doing the Ghost Note Symphonies on the Misfits tour. No, and in fact, that's not even a tour. It's just one show. Mm. Um, we were planning on taking the rest of this year off to start to 
focus on the next chapter and the next record. Um, and so we've been saying no to a lot of shows. And But when that one came across the wires, it was, you know, uh, anybody growing up, you know, in punk rock, you'd have a hard time saying no to that one. And so that yeah. that was the exception to our, our rule of 2019 off. You know, it was, it was that's going to be, you know, that's, that's, it's pretty incredible and to be playing out there in L.A. in this giant arena um, with a legendary band. Uh, you know, that just that just scratches an itch somewhere. I think that anybody anybody who grew up listening to that band has. I, I mean, this is like Rise Against Year. You guys are doing so much, and at the same time, you're needing to say no to shows. How good must that be? I know feel? It, it was it was not the plan. <laughs> at one point, 2019 was off, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's just. But you know, these are things that we really wanted to do. You know what I mean? And so we there's there's a lot of enthusiasm behind it for us and. The things that like we're, we're going into it, you know, excited to do it. So and it's been good. We've been off the road for a little while too. So um, I think everyone's kind of excited to get back out there and try something really different. These, these shows are going to use different muscles than we've used before, and so they will require more than just walking out onto a stage and doing what we've done the last 20 years. They will require something uh, an entirely different skill set, and so that's um, going to be fun and challenging. And there's not a lot of firsts left for a band like Rise Against that has been doing this for almost 20 years. And so to have a first like this is uh, is exciting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel you on that. Uh, I got to know, though, what was the connection or how did the happenstance of you getting connected with Glenn Danzig uh, <laughs> come to be? Do, do you have a, a history with the Misfits? Um, uh, is there a connection, a relationship between you two? No. Uh, there's a lot of bands out there that we are friends with, that we know, that we've toured with. I've gotten to tour with a lot of my favorite bands. It's the best part of this band is to meet like your heroes and uh, play for their fans or, or even to have bands that we know and love open up for our band. But I will tell you that I have zero connection to uh, that band, you know, who's, you know, been really dormant a lot for a lot of our career anyway. Um, so this was, I mean, this was out of the blue. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. And but nobody made any phone calls or pulled any favors. This was like, this was kind of like a, a it was a surprise to me too. Um, but, um, we're excited to see it, uh, and excited to see it happening. <laughs> that is just, it's, it's just so awesome. So quick side story. Uh, when I was in Las Vegas, I flew out to Las Vegas for what I believed to be, and this happens a lot with these older bands, the final tour of the Misfits, which was, I think, two, two years ago or so. And that crowd, that crowd for the Misfits show was so insane. Some guy got in a, got headbutted in the middle of the mosh pit and started bleeding, and they like needed to bring in like an emergency crew in the middle of the show. <laughs> to stop it, so I mean that that band is on a, on a whole nother level. What kind of influence did you uh, did you gain from them? I mean, did you listen to them back in the day? Because I know you have probably just a wealth of of knowledge when it comes to punk music and and growing up. What did you kind of see yourself listening to? I, I guess is the question. Yeah, you know, the Misfits was always being played around me um, when I grew up. In, so I got into music in Chicago, like in the. I guess late eighties, early nineties. And, you know, it was mixtapes and they were all black flag descendants, misfits, jawbreaker, uh, minor threat, dead Kennedy, subhuman, social distortion, um, peg boy, you know, naked ray gun. Yeah. These, these were all the mainstays. You know, I mean, these were all, this was what was coming out of everybody's boom box, um, back then. And they were the soundtrack to kind of growing up and going to shows and skating and figuring out this whole, really kind of cool subculture of punk rock, which was a lot more difficult to find than it is 
uh, nowadays in 2019. Mm-hmm. And so, like all those bands that uh, I just mentioned, these are uh, some pretty important people in my life. And so they're all kind of 80s punkers. And 80s punkers are a different breed of human beings. <laughs> you know, these are guys that... <laughs> um, they started bands in different ways than I started a band here in Chicago, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I appreciate that and respect that, that they were blazing a trail back then. It was a lot more different. It was a lot more dangerous. It was a lot more, um, I don't know, it was a lot more unprecedented, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so when I get to meet these guys who wrote the song that kind of influenced who I am today, that's always kind of super special. I see them as uh, larger than life characters. They yeah. are, these are, you know, these are, these are, these are living, breathing, historic figures to a to a kid like me. Wow, and it's kind of interesting to see this because you know you have that same impact on a lot of people who are growing up in music now and then listening back to some old Rise Against uh, CDs. I mean, you guys aren't an old band in, in the least sense, but you know, growing up when in the early two thousands, I mean, you guys were uh, on a lot of people's minds and in a lot of car uh, <laughs> car uh, CD tracks, I guess I could say. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so, what are some of the things that people come up to you? and say now about your music? I mean, do you have a lot of great fan interactions um, that you're finding here in Chicago and elsewhere? Um, I mean, so, like, so you can call us old. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would never like, do that. I think, I, think, I, I think it was like it was like maybe five years ago people started using the word veterans to throw around. I was like, veterans? Oh, that's like, <laughs> that's like a word for old. Okay, I get it. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, I've always just kind of looked forward um, doing this band, I never have, I don't spend a lot of time looking back. It's, this band has always been like this kind of gathering snowball that has always kind of surprised me. Our fans have always surprised me. Uh, the fact that we're still doing this here today has always kind of surprised me, you know? And so it's, it's, it's crazy to meet people on the street and find out uh, how, what role the band in their lives, you know, because I guess because I'm looking forward, I, I forget about what we've done in the last, you know, 18 years or so. And it takes like a, it takes someone on the street to remind, you know, to say, Hey, I was at your show at this place and I have this tattoo of your lyric or this record was super influential on me and got me through a hard time in my life. And then that's when, that's when like I, uh, I take a step back and I was, Oh, people were listening. You know, people are listening. Right? Yeah. yeah. People, people heard those songs or, that show meant something to people, you know, and that's, that's incredible. That's all you want. That's, that's like what you want. You know what I mean? Like it's all you want when you, when you set out and, and write these songs. And I've, I've never been so cocky enough to think that these songs are going to hit people in the way that they ever did. And so that stuff always kind of like takes my breath away to, to, to find out how important this band um, is to the people that really embrace it. Cause it's important to us, you know, and, you always sense that you're connecting with people. Like you get that, that like that sort of sense that like these shows or something in the air, but you don't know it. You know what I mean? And you hope that people are understanding and, and hoping that they're connecting with it. And so to, to have somebody confirm that they, that they really did connect with it, it really makes everything that you ever did uh, with this whole endeavor worth it. 
Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a specific um, instance where you met with somebody? Maybe it was in the early stages of Rise Against, or even now that people have been able to listen to to your albums for a few years. Like a per, a certain person or story that just really connected to you, and you often think about. Mm, that's a good question. There's so many. Um, I think what what's so overwhelming about about that is that when you meet somebody like that or, or you run into somebody on the street and you can tell that they have a story but they've only got like 30 seconds to tell it you know mm-hmm. and when you when you can hear that there's so much more than what you than, than what you are hearing you know that there's so much more this person wants to say to you there's so much more to the story that's always overwhelming you know um it was uh i was at a show in cleveland and we finished the show and out by where the bus parked, there was a fence and there were some people waiting over there. And so I went over to say hello to them before we left. And there was one, everybody was kind of you know, taking pictures and autographs and whatever. And there was one guy just kind of politely standing behind. And um, I eventually made my way to him. And he goes, hey, man, I just wanted to give you these. And he pulls out dog tags. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait what do you mean give them? Like, what do you mean? He's like, I, I want you to have these. He's like, your music got me through some hard times and I don't, I don't need a picture. I don't need an autograph. I just, I just thought, I just came here tonight because I thought these, that, that you, these should be yours. Wow. And, and, and walked away, you know, just walked away. Like, like me just holding dog tags, you know, I'm asking, like, I'm trying to be like, no, dude, these are your dog tags. Like, like I know enough about these. know that you don't have a lot of them, you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you, these are yours. Like, you're, you're going to want these. You're going to want to give them to your kids, like something. And he just walked away. And um, it was, uh, I never found him. And a year later, I got, a, uh, our management got communicated by his um, wife. And he passed away. He died um, in a hotel. Uh, no one really knows how or why. It seemed like maybe natural causes, maybe an accident. And she was like, she had heard that he gave me my his dog tags and she just wanted them back, you know? And so of course, you know, I still had them cause I have, I have them, I had them hanging in my studio cause I was, I thought about them all the time and I thought someone's going to want these, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we got them back to, and I was able to talk to the, uh, the wife a little bit and just find out a little bit about him, you know, just the things that he wasn't able to tell me that night, you know, mm-hmm. the things that, he didn't want to tell me or need to tell me, but he just wanted to like hand those over. And it was just really stuff like that. Just really, I don't know. I'm not, like, I'm not equipped to like handle that stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, like I, I am all ears. I want to hear your story. I want to know what's going on with you. But like sometimes what people are going through are so far beyond like, like what I can do to heal it, you know? And so all you can do is rely on you know, All you can do is rely on that the music is attracting with people and, and finding a way to help them survive. Yeah, it, that's incredible too because you think about it, and you got to realize that that was probably the one of the, his favorite moments of his life was being able to meet you, hand you those dog tags, get that one thing mm. off his chest, and then you know get to uh, get to meet one of his heroes and then get to you know say that. So um, you, yeah, it just there's, shows. A le- there's a lesson in there too. It's like it's like. I feel like when I looked at those dog tags, I always said to myself, one day I'm going to find this kid. I mean, like I want to, I want to find him. I want to find out what, what was going on and why he gave me this thing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I never did. You know what I mean? Like, I just, like, I didn't. Like, life happened, and I just never figured out a good way to find him. And now I think back, I'm like, I should have tried to find him. You know what I mean? I don't know if that would have made any difference at all. Mm-hmm. You know? But it's like, now it's sort of, it's just one of those lessons that we all have once in a while where it's like, if there's something that you want to do, go do it. You know, life here is short. If not for you, for the person that you're trying to affect, the person that you're trying to connect with. Like, there's just too many unknowns out there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's a beauty thing. That's the beautiful thing about music, too, because it's this weird connection that people have with it. And if you get to do it for your whole life and get to make that kind of impact, think about it. You could you could have been an accountant or something, <laughs> like a, you know, even a doctor, let's say. But the right. fact that you're able to make that kind of connection is just so much more different. It's a, it's so heavy. Yeah, it absolutely is, and it's and it's. It's a bizarre thing to contemplate, and I, sometimes I can't even grasp it until I think about what music meant to me mm-hmm. growing up. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, wait, like, what this band meant to me growing up, that's the way this person is talking about my band. And then it's like, well, it's so, it's so crazy that you think of my band the same way I think of my favorite band. But then when I start to think about that, it's like, okay, I can understand what this what this means to you. Yeah, yeah, because often times when you're sad, you, you pop on an, an album and then uh, or, or happy, and that's the one thing you right. connect with. I can think of at least 14 or 15 girlfriends that are just solely devoted to an album. Like, you know, it's like, oh, that was when I was listening mm-hmm. to The Used, or Bayside was uh, was that girl, or, or or whatnot, or even Rights Against most of the time. Right. <laughs> yeah, we have, band, we, have, we have music that uh, hits us at uh, certain parts of our life where yeah. it becomes a permanent part of our lives that you can never uh, remove. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but you'll find yourself having a hard time communicating that connection to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, you'll have your, you'll have your favorite record. And then when you go and try to convince somebody else to like, love it as much as you do, they don't love it as much as you do. And you realize that that was a time and a place, you know? And so it's crazy to think that a band like us is a time and a place for somebody. Mm-hmm. Man, very well spoken, very well spoken. Again, we're speaking to Tim from Rise Against, playing Chicago Theater on April 28th. Uh, Tim, you know, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to speak with us today. Um, so you got the show at the Chicago Theater. Um, you're here back in the city. Are, are you still living in the city, by the way? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Chicago... Chicago ride or die. <laughs> okay, right on. So if somebody else, like yeah. uh, um, you said, you, you go to Denver, you go to Los Angeles, and you have a great fan base there. But here in Chicago, what are some of your favorite things to do? Do you go hit a big star before a show, or do you go and check out the Bean with with tourists who, or family from out of town? Yeah, I'm I'm tourist guy today. I'm like going to the museum today with some family from out of town because it's just such a beautiful day in Chicago too. We finally. Finally seeing some of the sun. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, when I'm on the road, uh, the thing that I crave and I miss is deep dish pizza. Mm-hmm. You know, I love going to White Sox games here um, in the city, uh, uh, like Blackhawks, you know, all the great vegetarian restaurants here um, in Chicago, riding along the lake, you know, when it's nice out. There's nothing like it. This is definitely, this is home. It really is mm-hmm. uh, the greatest city in the world. You know, I've seen a lot of them, and, and it only has been special here in Chicago. And it's a place that I've always been um, appreciative of, and a place that I never left. And I'm glad that because the band is a crazy roller coaster that I didn't anticipate hopping on. And <laughs> this city has always kept me grounded. Ah, oh, I love it. Tim McLarath from the band Rise Against, thank you so much for joining us here on Sound Sessions today. 
Yeah, uh, my pleasure. Yeah, we can't wait to see everybody on Sunday. Get there early because they put bass playing and they're amazing. And the acoustic versions of their songs are also amazing. And uh, we're going to have a blast. Um, and thanks to everybody who got a ticket. You know, the place is sold out and we didn't really anticipate that. So there's going to be a lot of love in that room and we're excited about it. Right on, man. I will see you at the Chicago Theater then. Cool. We'll see you then, man. Can't get enough of Sound Sessions? Like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter at Sound Sesh Pod, and check us out on Instagram at Sound Sessions WGN.